0: Listeners, I know that you sometimes feel like your home is bursting with the boundless energy of your boys. Mine has been for a very long time. We want to tell you about Home Threads, where style meets the wild adventures of raising boys. At HomeThreads.com, you can find a collection of Furniture and home accessories designed to meet the needs of your growing boy family. They have everything from durable bunk beds to upscale gaming tables. You can turn your home into an attractive, durable playground, believe it or not. Uh, Janet and I both love their baking dishes. Solid, beautiful, functional Anything you need for your home, you can likely find on homethreads.com, and we have a discount code for you. Go to homethreads.com slash onboys. You can get a code for 15% off your first order because every leap, laugh, and loud moment deserves a space that embraces the chaos with style. Home Threads love where you live. This is On Boys Parenting
1: Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's men. This is Janet. You know me as the co-host of On Boys. But did you also know that I am the founder of Boys Alive? And did you know that I raise daughters, not sons? Still, I've been advocating and championing boys for over 25 years. I was a teacher and I saw clearly that boys and schools were not a good mix and parents were confused. They were struggling with their boys' exuberant energy and they didn't feel like they knew how to talk with him. So in these past 25 years, I've been coaching parents and helping teachers to connect with their boys and reduce the anxiety and overwhelm they were having. And then the pandemic happened what may have felt like minor challenges before, suddenly there's added layers. You're stuck at home. You're trying to work and manage your own fears and worries. Ooh, and then add distance learning and you've got challenges you've never faced before. So I created a Parenting Through Corona Chaos guide for you. It's free after you sign up. I've shared over 20 proven strategies to guide you through this confusing, uncertain time, answering questions like, how do I become an effective at-home teacher to my kids? How do I balance parenting and working from home? How do I manage my children's emotions and set boundaries they'll follow? and how do i manage my own emotions and stay a force of calm for my kids when i'm feeling frustrated overwhelmed worried and even kind of scared just go to boysalive.com/guide and sign in for your free download that's boysalive.com/guide g u i d e you do not have to do this alone now Envoys. In the past five years, there has been a sharp and steady rise in children's mental health issues. In fact, a study by the National Institute of Mental Health here in the U.S. revealed that one in two children will develop a mood or behavioral disorder or substance addiction before the age of 18 and then the global pandemic happened. Our guest today is an internationally known educator, speaker, and blogger, and as an occupational therapist and psychotherapist, she is uniquely positioned to observe and advise about the impact of modern day parenting and our high-tech lifestyle on a child's nervous system. One of her blog posts entitled, The Silent Tragedy Affecting Today's Children and What to Do About It, has been read by over 35 million people. That's amazing. The thing is, though, that blog post was written in 2017. And while all of the solid advice remains, now we have this additional layer of concern for our children's mental health, their social health and their physical health too, which is what we will be diving into deeper today with Victoria Pruday, who hails from Toronto, Canada. And she believes that the first step towards helping children begins with educating ourselves as parents and teachers. And Victoria, we are definitely in in alignment with you on that, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be with you. And uh, I think
2: it's amazing when we have people just like you are who are trying to educate the parents, because as I say, you know, the key is parents. And unfortunately, you know, we came to that situation unintentionally. We have amazing intentions to make our children happy, mm-hmm. but somehow it took us on the wrong path. And as I say in my blog, it's never too late. I see families, they come to see me the next day. Once they understand where they need to shift and switch, starting from the next day, their life is already on a completely different path.
1: And I so agree with you. Every parent's intention is to do the best for their children. And part of the issue is there's so much information coming at us Yes. It's overwhelming. Which blog do you read? Which article? Which person do you listen to? So, Jen and I are committed to trying to help sort out the noise a bit and have some really good dialogue that can educate and help parents step into that place with confidence. Yeah, 100%. Every parent listening would love to know
0: what is the thing that they can do today to have a better tomorrow. You said that parents see a difference the next day.
2: Yes. How? So what we know uh, based on all the neuroscience and that's available today, we know that the key for success in life is self-regulation. It's hard work, ability to overcome challenges, work really hard, work through boredom. And as I say in everything I write about, that even though we know that the key for success in life is self-regulation, what we actually offer our children is a lifestyle that promotes the exact opposite, dysregulation. They're constantly entertained. There is not a moment of boredom. They have no responsibilities, no chores. And that disregulate their brain. And even a typical child, that's an absolutely typical child, when this child offered this kind of lifestyle, yes, they are going to be dysregulated and they are going to have issues. But if we take a child who to begin with has issues and offer this lifestyle, their nervous system will become even more dysregulated than it was from the get going. Mm -hmm. So what I believe parents can do and need to be doing is first of all, we need to educate our children about what actually is going to make them successful. I actually educate children about the brain and about the fact that It's not your grades. It's not how popular you are at school. It's your ability to work hard. Mm -hmm. And I explain to them, brain is just like a muscle. You train it the way you train a physical muscle. Same way, you train your emotional muscle. And then I explain to them, what is the most efficient way to train your emotional muscle? It's chores. (laughs) So we know based on that amazing research um, that was done in Harvard for 75 years, they followed people and they actually looked at, uh, you know, what makes eventually people happier and healthier and all all that. So the key is chores. (laughs) And what I find fascinating was this generation of children, just telling them you need to help me around the house it's not going to help us. (laughs) But when I explain to them research evidence and I tell them that look, based on the latest studies, we know brain is trainable and chores is the, it's a phenomenal way. Now, why? Because it teaches children self-discipline to do what needs to be done, even though it's boring, even though it's not interesting, you do it every day, regardless you want it or not. That's what life is all about. Now, very many children, when I ask them, what are your responsibility at home? So then they start, sometimes <laughs> I uh, unload my dishwasher. Dish yeah. And I say, responsibility is not sometimes. Mm. So if you have responsibility, it has to be every time. Mm -hmm. every time yes and when we meet first with parents I explain to them about brain and neuroplasticity and how environment trains it makes it stronger or weaker and if you want to train here we go a choice that's what we need uh, to bring back and another important thing for today's children is actually to teach them about impact of technology on their brain. And it's not enough to tell them, you can only use an hour or you can only use two hours. No, that is not enough for this generation of kids. It was enough for us. If my mom were to tell me you can use only an hour, I would actually use only an hour. This generation of children brilliantly smart, but we need to speak their language. So I sit down, I run groups about that. I show them MRIs of brains of children who playing too much technology and what happens to their brain and how their brain is overly aroused. And when it's overly aroused, it has hard time processing information. And then we're going to be angry. And they say, whoa, Victoria, really? Then they come to me and say, Victoria, you should speak to my mom as well. You know, she spent so much time on technology. So
0: okay, to- I just have to ask, <laughs> how old are these kids? Because I guarantee you that that is not the response that my 14-year-old would give you or the response that my 17-year-old would give you. So, Maybe uh, younger, there's more hope for that response, but mine would be busy trying to poke holes into what you're telling them?
2: So I run groups. The latest group we run, the oldest child in the group was uh, grade 10. Okay. So, um, but again, I make it for them very scientific. I show MRIs. I show latest research evidence. I show them, you know, rehabilitation centers for addiction against
1: technology. And- <laughs> And this is what we've talked about before is this idea that our, like, your kids want the information,
2: yeah,
1: the solid facts, the brain science, and and then to make a decision from there. But bottom line right now, a lot of, of parents are concerned about the exorbitant amount of time that kids are on screens now, partly for school partly for things like Zooming grandma and those kinds of things and being with their friends. Mm-hmm. And then there's video games and there's you know all the other entertainment that happens uh, in between school and Zooming with grandma. And so what, and, and I know parents are worried about this and feeling guilty about so much screen time. And so how, how can we reassure And allay the fears and frustration that parents are feeling. And also the sense around it, too, of lack of motivation. Mm -hmm. All he wants to do is be on screens all day. I'm hearing that a lot. It
2: goes back to that silent tragedy affecting today's children, right? The lack of motivation and doing only what they want to be doing. The moment it's you need to, you know, that's the hard part. So let's go back to your question about um, technology and today's time and all that. So what I recommend uh, for younger children, so let's say, so let's give an example, my son in grade five, okay? So he's in grade five, he has Zoom and stuff. So yes, he has you know a lot of technology, way more than he used to have before. So there are a couple of very important things for me. And again, I discuss it with him, I explain it to him why and how it affects his overall well-being. So first of all, before he sits down to do Zoom, we do a little bit of exercise. Just again, I explain to him, your body is going to be sedentary for you know an hour. When you come to school, first you take the bus, you walk, you move, and only then you sit in front of screen. So we do, as a family, we do like five, 10 minutes. He's in charge. He makes like early rise exercise for the whole family. Now, next thing that I educated my son, very important. Not with your laptop on your lap in your bedroom. You need to sit up in front of the screen. You need to be sitting up tall. There needs to be a good distance. So this much of a distance between you and the screen.
1: This and much being, let me, let me, let yes. me interpret that for our, our listeners. This much being from the tip of your uh, fingers to your elbow. To, to your elbow, Yeah. That much distance. Make
2: sure there is no glare on the screen. And then I taught my son 20-20-20 rule. Every 20 minutes, you look away for 20 seconds at the distance of 20 feet. So what I did, I put a little plant at the distance of 20 feet. And, you know, I'm not policing him. But I'm just, initially what I did, I put a stopwatch. So just to show him what does it mean 20 minutes so he feels it. And yes, I I know that he tries to look away every 20, about half an hour just to look away for a little bit. Again, I explained to him why it's so important because when we look so close all the time, we losing our ability to look farther away. Mm. Now, another very important thing that we decided is same as at school, every two hours there is a recess. So we have a schedule, so he does exercise. Then he works for two hours. Then there is a recess time. We go for a walk, and if I can't come with him, he takes a basketball, he goes outside. Mm-hmm. And he has a schedule between his schoolwork and entertainment uh, technology. So yes, you know he still wants to play whatever he plays, but he first finishes his schoolwork, When all of it is done, then he has an hour of entertainment technology, whatever games, you know, we discuss the games that he plays and we choose which one are appropriate. So he plays them for an hour. And then we have family movie at night. Now for my teenage daughter okay the rules are quite different because as you say you know uh, we choose our
0: battles right <laughs> right yes. so key I, to sanity with children in the house uh, choose uh, your battles uh,
2: exactly so with her i came to her and i said you know i really understand you you that's horrible to be stuck with parents for two months (laughs) at your age i don't know how you even survive it (laughs) so but the rule is we discussed it and you know we talk about the fact that yes you know that affects our brain and we need however we can to protect ourselves so for my daughter the same as for my teenage clients what i recommend Turning technology half an hour before bed for the brain to down escalate,
1: mm-hmm.
2: at least half an hour before bed. Not to charge the phone in the bedroom. And again, I explained to them all the latest research who knows about that radiation and, and the fact that the zoom, the beeping and lights uh, in the middle of the night and how it affects our sleep. And the other rule is no technology during meals.
1: No technology what?
2: During uh, dinner time. During dinner, dinner, sure. Ah. Yes. And as long as those rules are followed by a teenager, I am good with that. So
1: So, just those two things.
2: Yes, I know that's too much. Not too much, yes. And we do once a day, she is um, in the evening, we do a family exercise, so like a heavy workout and she is responsible for running it. So she runs a program for, for all of us. And we try to go for a walk, all that, but I allowed her that I understand that now it's a challenging time, but please, half an hour before bed, nothing during sleep time and Meal times are just for us to talk.
0: You know, uh, these are good common sense rules for us as the parents and the adults, many of whom are working from home currently as well. I've worked from home for a long time. So have you, Janet. I have a hard time really productively focusing for longer than, you know, 30 minutes without taking a bit of a break. Um, so you're your son look away after 20 minutes. That's kind okay. of a brief little break there. And then okay. about every two hours to get up and move around. I am more productive when I do that. Yes. I don't always do it. Sometimes I fall back into thinking if I just sit here and stare at the screen, I will power through. It doesn't work all that well. Mm-hmm. I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out and you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash on boys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today.
2: There is a neurological explanation to it, right? And children who are have ADHD, more of the learning disability issues, what I recommend is having those breaks way more frequently because what happens, because they sit for too long, their arousal goes down. And when they are under arousal, they are unable to process information. So what I recommend is actually to take breaks even every half an hour. So some of the ideas, and I shared it on my blog, can be like a little obstacle course that made with a tape around the house. Or it can be card game, just regular cards. And you flip a card, six, six jumping jacks, you know, seven, seven seat ups. So just incorporate, it shouldn't be punishment for children, but they really need to understand why they're doing it. And I explained to them, do you know the time when you're kind of zoned out? That means your brain is under aroused. Your brain is on off. You need to switch it back to on. And doing exercise is the fastest way to get there.
1: For all of us all of us (laughs) we all need we all need this reminder absolutely a
2: schedule in our mind even for us for adults you know i tell myself okay half an hour i'm working then i can check my emails yeah right so but if i don't set that limit for my brain i will be checking this email every minute and now and we are adults like it's even scary to think what it does to children because their self-regulation is way lower than ours.
0: I wanna go back to what you said uh, and re-emphasize this. For children with ADHD, and we know that statistically speaking, many of them are boys. I know I am hearing from a lot of frustrated parents right now because their boys with ADHD are having such a hard time with online school. And I hear they just can't focus, they just can't focus. And what you're saying, is important if we want them to focus, if we want to help them succeed, we can't expect that they're gonna just sit there and do their online school before they do anything else. They need to do this in chunks, interspersed with movement.
2: Yes, and knowing that, so you see for ADHD kids, self-regulation is a huge challenge. Now imagine they're sitting in front of the drug. That's their drug, right? They're something that brings so much excitement and now they need to concentrate on their work. That's extremely, extremely challenging. But if they know, okay, I exercise, i work for 30 minutes and then I have 30 minutes of technology time, will be way easier for them to concentrate, to produce work. Now another thing that, whenever possible, print out worksheets, not to sit them in front of the screen, but actually doing paperwork will be so much easier for them because there is no that destructive element of uh,
1: technology. So I have a question for you, yes. Victoria. And this might be a little bit off course, but I've been wondering about this. I am a I am a teacher. I haven't taught in the classroom for a long time, but um, I. I just wonder about this modality for learning and if it is actually really possible for kids to learn in this way. I can see that there's a place to reinforce concepts that they already know and do practice. And of course there's the relational aspect of seeing your teacher and your classmates, that's there. But do you have any thoughts around, is it actually possible to learn new material? So
2: I think, let's say if you ask me whether like to choose between online and real life learning, there are no doubts, no doubts. But whether it's possible to teach online, it is requires enormous amount of professionalism. So I do run now groups on emotional intelligence online and it's interactive, but it requires enormous amount of thought process, you know, like thinking how to bring this information. So I do think it's possible, but we will need to completely change our system. That's the way to go. So we will need to change it, and also, I find that that online learning requires very strong self-regulation skill. And since we have a generation of dysregulated children, that is a huge challenge, but also a huge opportunity. Mm-hmm. Because as I say to my clients, a lot of them ADHD and you know learning disability kids. So I say, yes, it's a huge challenge, but it's also an opportunity for you to learn, okay, I sit in front of this, but I can do my work for 20 minutes and then play, do work, then play. Very challenging, but it's a brain training, right? So it's a process. So it brings its own challenges and opportunity for brain growth.
0: You recommended um, printing off some materials and doing them by hand if possible. You have uh, worked as an OT, and I know that one thing OTs often work with children on is, you know, handwriting and fine motor skills. So talk about why and how involving the hands in learning in that way can be beneficial to children's learning.
2: So, I think it's not just beneficial, I believe it's essential. Now, what happens in our society is that children are not doing much with their hands. Their hands are very, very weak. Now, then what happens, they come to school, they have difficulty writing, and we prescribe computers. Instead of training the muscle, training an ability of the brain to self-regulate through boredom of writing, because it's boring. A lot of it has nothing to do, many kids who come to me and they can't write, quite fascinating. Give them Lego, give them something sophisticated, but something that they really like doing, they can do it. But when it comes to pencil, oh, I can't do it. All of the sudden, all the muscles are weak. Why? Because what we see today took me many years to understand that. It's not exactly the issue of fine motor, which fine motor is also part of it. It's a huge self-regulation issue because printing requires self-regulation. Now, where are we failing as a system is not enough that they come already to school with the lack of, you know, the hands are not really working. And also the brain is not trained to do hard work, but we also accommodate for those challenges by right away giving them technology instead of remediating, training that skill. So that's why my son, for example, he has ADHD and pretty as, I knew it from very, very early on. So what do you think is my treatment for my own child for ADHD, chores and printing? Not because of the printing the actual that it was so important for me that he prints, simply because it's boring, monotonous work that requires putting off an effort. And by the fact that we especially giving the children who need that work on training their self-regulation, right away we give them technology, we actually do a big disservice there. Because yes, we can, that's an amazing vehicle for that brain training. And yes, definitely there are cases where it's essential, but I still think that even in the essential cases, we still need to continue giving them
1: handwriting. I and I am a firm believer in that also oh yeah. and I think I mean now we're we're home and it is an opportunity to develop the skills, the tasks of the home and life skills and this is for the young children especially, you know, it's things like just wiping the table after a meal it's squeezing out sponges it's all of that work i always go back to like little house on the prairie and what were the kids doing then and they were doing physical chores at a very young age they were carrying heavy weight they were grooming the animals and all of the things that we did with our hands to strengthen our hands And whatever
2: we did with our hands actually stretched that self-regulation, right? Exactly. Because there was clear beginning and clear end to that process.
1: And very much cause and effect, because if you didn't mm -hmm. take care of the garden and the animals, you didn't eat. They would die. Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think that's such an important point too, Janet, because one of the things that I have noticed, and I'm sure you have as well, especially with boys... Is that they want their work to matter and make a difference. So, just you know, giving, telling your son he needs to dust the shelf in the living room may indeed be you know an important chore and teach him self regulation. But if you can work with him and find a chore he can do where he really feels like he is contributing to the well being of the family you tend to have much greater success than just giving him something where he doesn't even really see how or why it, it fits into or why it's important at all. Raising an animal, weeding the garden when you know that's what you have to eat this winter, that matters. And
2: cooking. My son, if you go online, that's therapy to me cooking is his adhd therapy why because there is a recipe you have to follow and it has to be exactly like it's in the recipe not hmm. whatever you want and if you don't actually wait and you don't wait for the time that requires it's not gonna be ready so my son uh, now one meal a day that's on him And meal, I mean, sweet and sour chicken, Thai, you know, like pierogies from scratch. That's his therapy. To me, you know, I run a center for treatment for children with autism and ADHD. And you should see what I'm teaching them there. It's quite fascinating. It's all about back to the basics that Mm -hmm. we are lost in our society.
0: Amen. I want to come over for dinner now.
1: I know.
2: <laughs> it's uh, And you know, he sets the table. Another thing I taught him, napkins. You know, napkin art. That's great. therapy, 100%. And all and, my clients, I teach them the same thing.
0: And good hand therapy, hand strengthening, mm-hmm. folding napkins, making cool things. 100%, yes.
2: Mm-hmm. That's a
1: great strategy. Go on YouTube, find out napkin folding strategies, amaze your family and friends. There you go. And I run
2: groups on that. You should see, I teach children as young as four. I teach them about brain and I say, you know what happens to your brain when you fold a napkin? New brain cells open up. There are new connections in the brain. And they're so cute. I tell them, come, come. I am an x-ray doctor of your brain. Let me check (laughs) you already feel it's growing. It's fascinating. to see it. <laughs> yeah, and they need to understand why they're doing it and how it helps their brain.
1: Well, yes. they do and parents do as well. And you've really given us some great ideas today and expansion on what, you know, what parents are already doing, but how they can do it a little bit differently and especially to function during this time that is like no other that we've ever yeah. had. I have much more hope now for the future. I think
2: that for many parents, whatever I wrote in the article, uh, although I got email from all around the world that they definitely see it, but you know who were the first one to respond? Are the teachers. Yeah. Teachers said, yes, Victoria, we see it. We need parents to see it, they don't see it. And I think what's happened now with this coronavirus, Suddenly, parents see it. Yes. And that's without recognition of the problem. There will be no solution. Right. So all of a sudden, I get phone calls saying, Victoria, you're so right. He can't keep himself busy for more than 10 minutes. He can't even sit at the dinner table for more than 15 And I said, yes, it's always been there. But since he was busy, one activity, another activity, oh, he was busy, parents did not see it. Now Mm. they see it. So that's amazing. Now when we recognize that there is a challenge, there is always a solution.
1: I have had many parents report that they're seeing their kids in in a different way, just like you said. You know, we've slowed down and we're able to observe and we're with them so much that we see them in a new light and outside of that busyness.
2: Yeah. And we have a lot to work. To do there, right? So my first job as an occupational therapist was in Toronto Rehabilitation Institute, where we took people whose, you know, they had car accidents and and all kinds of traumatic brain injuries, and we retrained them. And I was so fascinated by that power of neuroplasticity. And then I came to school board and I was shocked when I saw that every fifth kid has an issue, an issue, I mean, throwing tables, chairs, spitting. And I said, what's that? And I was told, Victoria, there is nothing we can do. This is how they are. And I said, wait a second. There is neuroplasticity. Environment can make it better. Environment can make it worse. There must be something that we can do to improve that and there must be something that we're doing that makes it worse. And then I did not know the answers and I decided to go from house to house. So I every client that was calling me, I, I would say, I'm coming, I'm coming to see. I really wanted to understand where are our children coming from? And what I saw is, is fascinating. It's all written in that article.
0: There's so much hope here for parents because at this point in the pandemic, so many of us are feeling overwhelmed and tired, and there's sadness interspersed with that. It comes and it goes, right? And you are telling us that it is so good for our kids, not just good, but truly necessary for them to have responsibilities, to contribute to the family. That um, they don't need to sit and stare at their online learning for hours at end. Get up, move, do things. So, parents, this is hope right here. 100%. Don't just keep doing what you're doing. Take bits of this, apply it to your life, and see how things are different tomorrow.
2: Yes. 100%. Yeah. And don't forget that we are not teachers right yes so our expectations from ourselves shouldn't be as uh, as teachers yeah education is much more than academics so yes boundary, putting the plate in a thing playing a game having a family conversation that's a huge part of education and as i tell my clients focus on what the school cannot do Mm -hmm. that's our time that's an amazing
1: fascinating time yeah it is such a gift victoria you are such a gift i am just so excited for our listeners to uh take up this information and be feel reassured and have some some new places to go with this where can people find out more about you
2: so i have a facebook page victoria pro day page where I post a lot of stuff. Um, and also my uh, my website is www.yourot.com. Y-O-U-R-O-T.com. I post there as well. There is so much we can do, there is so much potential. Yes, and you know, going back to very, very basic, what children need is very simple. They don't need all those expensive toys and they don't need They need us, they need nature, and they need chores. If we go this path, we can
1: transform the future of them and the future of our society. I love this so much. They need us, they need nature, and they need chores. Boom, problem solved. Yes. (laughs)
2: Yes. And, you know, it would be fascinating to do uh, brain imaging before and brain imaging after. It's fascinating when I watch my clients over time, even my son, who is pretty, you know, used to have pretty severe signs of ADHD. And uh, with the help of chores and exercise and outdoors,
1: it's transformational. Nice. Thank you so much for being with us, Victoria. This has been a lovely conversation and very, very helpful. And as Jill, as Jen said, hopeful as well.
0: Ah! Ah!
1: (laughs) Janet here again. Just want to remind you to get your parenting through Corona Chaos, that 20 plus strategy guide for you. It's free sign up and download it right away at voicealive.com/guide
0: Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer LW Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men.